Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now. for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure... Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And of course, they have Junior Bergen t-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. ESPN Radio. I always tell you this story when we play this song, but it's it's just it's one of my favorite songs. We've listened to Incubus all day. I'm just stuck on it. I don't know why. I think I'm just uh, looking so much forward to seeing them again at this upcoming summer. But I, we almost named the show that that song. We almost named it. I wish you were here. It was when we were feeling very melancholy and lonely hanging out by ourselves during COVID, <laughs> and I couldn't have anybody in the studio. And I was just thinking, I wish. Anybody, everybody was here. And, uh, you know, Nuanas Now works just fine. Hope you're having a great Wednesday. Thanks so much for hanging out uh, here on uh, Nuanas Now on ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN uh, MT app. Missed anything in the first hour of today's show? You can always find it on uh, the Nuanas Now podcast. Nuanas Now podcast probably presented by... Blackfoot Communications, visit goblackfoot.com to see how Blackfoot can help you and your business. Also presented by the M Store, where they're all grizz all the time. The M Store also has a new Apple Store up and running inside. And the Noir's Out Podcast, also presented by the Montana State Bookstore. MSU Bookstore, your best place to get blue and gold. On game day or any other day. Time now for our ESPN Roundtable. It's presented by Paradise Falls of Missoula. We were uh, efforting a couple different guests. Both of them fell through, but both of them will join us uh, soon. Uh, you're going to hear from Sam Herder, Hero Sports, soon. And we're also going to hear from our good buddy Austin Green, who's uh, had a variety of roles in the NBA and just a, a fun guy to discuss NBA basketball with. So uh, Sam Herder on all things FCS football, Austin Green on all things NBA playoffs and the NBA draft lottery. Both coming up a little bit uh, later on, either this month or next month, on the ESPN Roundtable. So instead, here's our Audible. It'll be a fun one. We're going to give letter grades to the Grizz and the Bobcats across the board uh, in the variety of varsity sports that each uh, school offers. Now, to be fair, uh, I totally understand that in the Big Sky Conference, FCS football playing schools, uh, mid-majors, uh, if not low-majors, and the variety of the other sports that are, are sponsored at Montana and Montana State, 
there's different levels of expectations. There's also other there's certain sports that aren't necessarily funded at a very high level or, or, or not given that big of a priority to. There, there's sports that exist uh, more or less because of Title IX, which is unfortunate. But there's also ability for those sports to uh, to thrive from time to time. So we're not going to be too hard on this. This is basically just uh, based on uh, sort of what – that, that's part of the conversation, right, is what is the level of expectation at each of the sports for Montana and Montana State. And then, all, of course, we'll we'll sort of let this thing build until we then talk about uh, the, the programs that have a ton of interest, the uh, programs that take up a ton of this airtime, uh, men's and women's basketball and football for both uh, the Grizz and the Cats. So we'll start with women's tennis. Women's tennis gets hardly any run uh, you know, in the conversation of, of Cat-Grizz, Grizz-Cat rivalries. Um, so we'll start with the Grizz tennis team. I'm going to give them a B plus uh, because Grizz women's tennis has uh, been nowhere close to competitive really over the last 10 years, but they made the Big Sky Tournament this year. That was their first time in nine years making the Big Sky Tournament. So I, I, I'm giving the, the Grizz uh, women's tennis team a B plus because I think that's a good accomplishment. I mean, I think that's one of the first barometers of evaluation. I think that for these you know non-revenue uh low exposure sports, uh, probably the two entry points to, to determining success. If there's a postseason tournament, did you qualify? How'd you do? And then how'd you do against the rival? Uh, so the Grizz women's tennis team, um, they did make the Big Sky Tournament. They lost in the first round of the Big Sky Tournament, but they, but they did make it, and, and that was uh, different than what uh, they had done in the past. For the Bobcat women's tennis team, I'm giving them a solid C. They did not make the tournament. They have uh, made it more recently uh, than the Grizz, uh, but they did not make it uh, this year. For men's tennis, uh, the uh, the Grizz men's tennis team has actually been very good uh, as of late, but this this last year they were okay. They made the conference tournament, um, but they lost 4-0 to to Idaho, who was the third seed. The Grizz men's team was the sixth seed. So I'm giving the Grizz men's tennis team a uh, – I'm going to give them a solid B. For the uh, Montana State men's tennis team, I actually don't know uh, how to grade this because – and I don't know if this is an error or if there's something going on with the software, but I'm looking at the schedule from this last year for the MSU men's tennis team, and all of the results say either postponed or canceled. Now, if if their program had been postponed or canceled – I believe even though they don't get a ton of exposure that we would have heard about that. Uh, so I don't know. So incomplete. We're given an incomplete uh, to Bobcat men's tennis. On uh, the, In terms of the sports that one school has that the, do- that the other one doesn't have, uh, we'll start with skiing. Montana State's both Alpine and Nordic ski teams. I think they both deserve A's. Uh, they're both nationally elite uh, the Nordic team finished sixth nationally. The Alpine team finished fourth nationally. It was just outside the top three. They had multiple All-Americans in each. So, I mean, no coincidence that Montana State has a uh, great, they have great amenities when it comes to skiing. Uh, both Bridger Bowl and Big Sky, great training facilities um, that then, you know, host regionals or nationals more often than not. So, uh, given A's to both uh, the ski programs there at Montana State. Uh, and then the, the two teams that the Grizz have that the Cats don't have, uh, women's soccer and softball. 
Uh, so that's where I'll bring in Andrew Houghton, our producer here. Uh, you're the go-to guy when it comes to soccer, which, by the way, uh, tell people about the podcast coming up. we got a new Footy 15 uh, coming up later on this week on the show, an excerpt of the Soccer in Snow and Smoke podcast that Andrew's putting together. So uh, tell people about uh, this week's guest first and foremost. Yeah, it's it really exciting. It's recorded. It's in there. I'm editing it right now. I might honestly turn this one into a two-parter because I've got like 40 great minutes uh, with Betsy Dirksen, the first coach in Montana Grizzlies soccer history. Uh, Betsy, you know, came to Montana in 1994 when the Grizz varsity soccer program essentially didn't exist. That was That's her right. first year of varsity competition as a soccer team. She stayed from 1994 to 2003, 10 years. She won a ton of games, won at least a share of the first four Big Sky Conference championships that were yep. ever contested, beat Washington State in the NCAA tournament in the year 2000. Uh, and was just announced as part of this year's class for the Grizzly Sports Hall of Fame. Uh, so that was kind of the news hook, but I am just, I can't believe I didn't do this earlier uh, because Betsy, a, a wonderful interview, a lot of great stories from that time period in the 90s when she was really putting together a, a team and a program from nothing. So that will be out uh, tonight, hopefully part one tonight, or I might just drop it all on you at once. Still trying to decide, but keep an eye out for that. And we'll play an excerpt of that on either tomorrow or Friday's show. I'm thinking Friday's show. Uh, but Betsy Dirksen, one of the uh, upcoming inductees into the Grizz Athletics Hall of Fame. The other three are uh, Dean Earhart, who is an All-American distance runner in track and cross country. Uh, former NFL All-Pro and All-American wide receiver Mark Mariani. And uh, Lady Grizz Big Sky uh, MVP Gene McNulty-King. So I can uh, I can promise you that Mariani and uh, Gene McNulty King will both get some airtime on this show here as well. So uh, we'll hear from Betsy Dirksen sometime this week and probably catch up with some of those other uh, Montana Sports Hall of Famers uh, as well. It's our ESPN Roundtable. It's presented by Paradise Falls of Missoula. So on that note then, Andrew, what grade are we giving uh, the Grizz soccer team? Yeah, tough year for the Grizz soccer team uh, compared to their expectations, right? And they still yep. finished uh, right around 500. I think they're a game above 500. I would give them, a, you know, a solid C. Yeah. A, a C. I, you can't go higher than that. You could go I a agree. bit lower than that just because their expectations are so high. I mean, this is a team and a program that has established itself as the best team in the Big Sky Conference. This year they weren't, and uh, you know by the end of the season it was tough to even call them a, a real contender yeah. for the Big Sky Conference title. So that's a big step back for sure, especially because Christian Davitsky's first three or four years they were nothing but Big Sky champions in one form or fashion, whether it was regular season or tournament or both. That's exactly right. It's the first year he hasn't won at least one Big Sky championship, uh, and it was a program on the upswing last year. I know I, I think he was really happy with the way that. The previous season went where they go to the NCAA tournament. They they give Washington State a game in the NCAA tournament. This year, not so much. Seven 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 and six. They really struggled. What keeps it from being a, a C minus for me? They did win a game at the conference tournament. They beat Portland State three to nothing at the conference tournament. Um, so that's big. And you know they're continuing to send players on to the pro ranks. Yep. Uh, they're continuing to bring in great talent. Yep. Uh, I think it's it's a step back on the field, but I think in terms of where the program is headed, 
it's probably more likely to be a, a one-year blip than anything else. Well, it's also a testament to the program building there under Chitovitsky in, in that you established those high expectations. That's a step forward. Mark Pecoris did a, a fine job at Montana before Chris Chitovitsky came in, but Chitovitsky certainly elevated it. Um, to be fair, a lot there was a lot of Pecoris players that are involved in that, but Chitovitsky certainly elevated the the overall expectation, and, and he doesn't want to take a back seat. He understands the championship lineage at Montana, but he he doesn't just say, oh, well, we're just the soccer team. That's only about football and basketball. He wants to be a part of that, and so I think he deserves a bunch of credit. There's also always the part within the scope of a program where you do reestablish your expectations. They are very high. How do you handle those? Sometimes it's hard to initially, uh, but then maybe the the falling short. I mean, that's the thing. It's a pivotal moment for their program. That's right. Because it's going to then motivate them to reascend or or crush them otherwise. But I, I am inclined to believe, just given the sort of the foresight that Chris Chinovitsky has, that it's uh, something that's good for them. And if they react correctly, it'll be great for Montana soccer. Just from talking to him, I think he understands that, that this yeah. has to be something that carries you forward. You know, I think that he, if we asked him, he'd probably give a, a harsher grade than we gave. Well, sure. Here. I mean, you said, see, I was, I, I'm giving him a D plus just because I do think that Having expectations to be first and finishing sixth is is that's a fall that's a sharp fall. Here here's the thing that that saved them for me not only winning a game in the conference tournament, uh, but also you know they were able to bring Creighton to Missoula. They were able yep. to bring the University of Pittsburgh to Missoula. They gave both of those teams a, a really good game. When you're talking, I mean, Chris Chitovitsky has been really honest about he wants this program to to really have a prominent space in the national discussion. That's another step forward towards that, right? Nuwana is now ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app, giving letter grades to all the sports from across uh, Montana and Montana State. Uh, softball, Grizz softball is the only, the last one of the sports that both schools don't have. Just Montana has softball. Um, yeah, I said I wasn't going to be too harsh. I, you know, I don't want to give them a full F because they did have one player that made the, the all-league team, and uh, they did win four conference games, but I'm giving the Grizz softball team a D. Like, t- ten, 10 wins, 10, 10 wins in 50 games and finishing dead last in the conference and then going 0-2 barbecue at the conference tournament and getting absolutely run-ruled. Getting no hit. I mean, they got no hit one time and they got run-ruled both times. Uh, not good. I mean, they got no hit multiple times this year. Um I don't even know where to evaluate it within the scope of the program as a whole. All I know is they got to flush that season. There's nothing to – they got to move on. they got to move forward because that's the worst season in program history. There's only been seven seasons, but that was certainly the worst one. Yeah, tough to take anything redeeming out of that season. I, I'm surprised. I, I don't know really what kept them from being an, an F for you. I, no, I, totally. I, you know, a D- minus maybe? Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, and we – even when we don't give out these letter grades just explicitly, you can always tell what's going on uh, around here because, you know, we didn't have anybody on the Virginia softball team on the show. We usually have, you know, three, four, five, six, depending on how they are. Like, when they were good, we had them on every week, you know, because they were rolling through it and they were winning the conference championship. So uh, some improvements to be made for sure. On uh, Okay, let's move on to um, volleyball. Um, we'll, we'll start with the Grizz. Uh, I'm going to give the Grizz a B plus in volleyball. I thought that they they did well and they they finished in the top half of the league and that, that's progress for a program that's finished 
at or near the bottom of the league for uh, quite some time. Allison Lawrence was the coach of the year. That's the first time uh, a Grizz volleyball coach has won coach of the year in quite some time. Uh, they they didn't sweep the the series with the Cats this year, but they did win one, and so they've won uh, more than they've lost the last couple of years. So that's always impactful when you talk about these sports as well. Um, so uh, and, and then the, then on the Cats side, I'm gonna give the Cats. Oh man, I'm gonna give the Cats a C minus because they basically fell apart. They were they were they had it rolling under Daniel Jones. No one really knows what happened there. Uh, he sort of abruptly left the program. The head coach did in the middle of the year. And uh, the Cats sort of faded down the stretch. So uh, I thought the Grizz were were the better of the two volleyball programs in state this year. Yeah, I'm going give to give, give the Grizz volleyball team an A. Yeah, because I think you had one thing confused there. They did beat the Cats both times. Oh, they did? Okay. So the, they, they sweep the Cats. Uh, Coulter, do you know when the last time before this season that Montana volleyball had a, had a winning record? It was something like 20 years ago. It was 2013, actually. They were 16 okay. and 15. Okay, yeah. So 10 years ago, they were one game above 500. Yeah, I think that I think this was their best overall record, though, uh, in uh, maybe of the 20th, 21st century or at least uh, in the last 20 years. I mean, it's been a long time. They were 17 and 12 this year. You sweep the rival. They did not win a match at the conference tournament, so yeah. that that's... Really, the only thing that keeps it from being an A plus for me, for for a program that's been downtrodden for so long, that's a great season. It, it's hard for them to get it going on either side too, just just because it is volleyball. It takes such a backseat in the fall to football, and there's other schools in the league that know they're going to have a backseat in football, so they invest a little bit more in volleyball to to uh, you know sort of rally some semblance of competitiveness within the scope of the league. So it is uphill sledding for both Montana and Montana State, but it was a good job by the Grizz. Uh, the Cats uh, sort of remain mysterious. I don't really know where they turn. I don't really know what happened last year, but they were a program that had improved a lot. I mean, Montana State volleyball was one of the laughingstock programs in the league. You know, when I first moved to Bozeman back in 2010, and uh, they're they're respectable now, certainly. Um, so, uh, you know, we'll see if they can get things turned around now with a new head coach uh, at the helm. Uh, okay, now let's talk about uh, track and cross country. Uh, we'll start uh, with the Cats. Uh, I, I'm giving them both A pluses in in track and field and cross country. I mean. The, the ascension of the distance core and the and the, the cross-country guys, especially at Montana State, has been unbelievable, in fact. I, I actually think it's – we talk about it a lot around here, but I think it's the I think it's the single most impressive ascension of any program in the Big Sky Conference. I mean, they they truly are competing with Northern Arizona in the distance races now. Like, they they had a runner, Ben Perrin, win the 10,000 meters. That's got to be the first time somebody not from NAU has won the 10,000 meters in I don't even know how long, 10, 15 years. They have multiple national meet level competitors in multiple distance uh, races. They finished the cross country season at the national meet. I mean, I think they finished twenty first as a team at the national meet. They were they're one of the top twenty five cross country programs in the country, and that just then buoys everything in the in the track world too. Because all those guys, Duncan Hamilton and the whole rest of them, they're all so great on the track as well. So I mean, I think. Absolutely A-plus, especially for the men's side of things for track and field and cross-country at Montana State. Well, I was going to say the women have have even been almost more impressive because the women have developed legitimate national meet-level competitors in multiple disciplines, right? I mean, you've got uh, Lucy Corbett in the high jump. 
Camila Noe in the in the distance. Yep. Uh, you know, Elena Carter in the yep. in the hurdles. Yep. They they've got women everywhere. I mean, they, they Elena Carter was the most valuable athlete of the meet last year at the outdoors. She then redshirted this year because she was injured. And the Bobcat women still scored over 100 points and got second place at the Big Sky Outdoor Championships behind only NAU. So um, they got track and field rolling. For anybody that argues that track and field uh, is irrelevant, you shouldn't invest in it. I think you could just use Montana State as an example of how good it can be for the marketing arm of your university. They have athletes every single week, all through January, February, March, April, and May, winning Big Sky Athlete of the Week, getting in the newspaper, getting on this show, they have multiple athletes competing on the national stage, and it's because they made a couple pretty simple investments. They got elite tracks. The actual track surface for their indoor and outdoor tracks are Mondo tracks, which are elite track surfaces. Cost a couple million dollars. It's no small chunk of change, but they got those both in their indoor and outdoor tracks, and look at them now. I mean, they, they are absolutely a top-notch uh, program. For Grizz track and field, uh, I'm going to give the Grizz, uh, both men and women, I'm going to give them a solid B because I think they really improved. I, I still think there's uh, some room left to improve, and uh, I think the fallout from uh, the departure of Brian Schwain, it took a, a few years for that to get ironed out. The lack of direction under Clint May, I think, really uh, hurt Montana, but, but I do think that going from dead last to sixth and having multiple sort of uh, notable athletes uh, – it's good progress for Montana. I think it's I think it's good for them overall. Yeah, tough to grade Montana when you're throwing track and cross country together, right? Because the cross country thing was kind of a disaster in the fall. It's not a good look for the university uh, to be doing cross country season with with what was it two volunteer coaches not having a head coach yeah, right. in place for cross country. That takes away a lot of the goodwill from what was, uh, you know, like you said, an encouraging track season. ESPN Roundtable presented by Paradise Falls of Missoula. Um, all right, let's get into the ones that uh, all the peoples are here to argue about. Um, we'll start with women's basketball. And this actually might be a conversation we need to rehash tomorrow as well because we only do have about uh, just a couple minutes here. Uh, but women's basketball, uh, I'm going to give the uh, Bobcat women – even though they won a Big Sky Championship, I'm going to give them a B- minus uh, because they did sort of fizzle down the stretch. There's a lot to that. We've talked a lot about that. For the Lady Grizz, hoof. I'm going to give the Lady Grizz a, a C, a straight C, because I think Montana, you know, at times you wanted to believe they were better. At times they certainly were better. And then at times you're like, this team's so talented. What's going on with them? Why are they so up and down? Uh, yeah, I actually would say, you know, retrospectively, I think both the basketball, women's basketball seasons in the state of Montana were slightly, if not truly, disappointing. Yeah, a little disappointing. I'm uh, uh, probably a hair higher on both of these teams than sure. you are. I'd, I'd bump the Bobcats up to, you know, a, a BB+. Plus. Uh, it's super disappointing for them not to make it back to the NCAA tournament. But on the other, you know, they closed the careers of... Two of the great players in Montana Bobcats women's basketball history and sure. Darian White and, and Cola Bad Bear. They did win a conference title. They they more or less kept things rolling as, as one of the premier programs yeah. in the big sky there. For Montana, I'm right there with you. It's so inconsistent, so disappointing. But I thought that this year you could see the vision of what Brian Holsinger is trying to put together at no, least for sure. here and there flashing through well they got the they got the number one biggest challenge figured out 
They have insane talent. That's right. The, you know, if you, you have can, if you have great play, you know, they brought in multiple all-conference players to go with an existing all-conference player, and then they had another girl in Danny Barsh emerge as an all-conference player. Now, and then you have you know one of the best freshmen, two of the best freshmen in the league. You just have an embarrassment of riches. You got to figure out a way to win with that. Though. My point though is that at times this year you could see the pathway towards winning with that, and that you know that bumps them up for me maybe C plus. Okay. Uh, ESPN Roundtable presented by Paradise Falls uh, men's basketball. Bobcats, we've talked about it so extensively. They went back-to-back. It was a banner year again. Uh, went to the NCAA tournament, gave Kansas State a run. It's an A-plus for the Bobcat men's basketball team. I will just leave it at that. The Grizz, uh, I'm, man, I'm the hardest ever on the Grizz men's basketball team. I think that's the team I'm the hardest on because I know so much about the in-depth history of the program and how strong the foundation is and all the things that have gone into that. Um, I'm giving the Grizz men a, a C. Uh, I think anytime you don't win 20 games, anytime you uh, you don't finish in the top three in the in the in the conference, you didn't meet expectations. The expectation at Montana is championship or bust. That's what it is. Yeah, and again, Travis Takir probably a coach who would agree with you if we if we asked no him question. honestly I mean, about it. He's the one that's taught me all about all the right. history of Grizzman's basketball. I mean, he I'm indebted to him for all of that knowledge. Like with the women, I'm going to go I'm probably a hair higher than you. I'd probably give them a C plus. I thought it was really impressive how they turned around that bad start to conference. You're, you're right. You're right. And now that I'm thinking of it actually in detail and not just rant and raving about my high expectations, I think it actually is. I think you're right. I think it's more like a B minus, like a, a low 80s or a high 70s on the grading scale. Because the turnaround was great. They won 8 out of 11 down the stretch. They and they won, figured some things out down the stretch. They did. They won a game in the conference tournament. They looked way better. I mean... There was a moment in time in January where they looked unwatchable, and by March they were very watchable. They were, act, in fact, fun to watch, and that that's a great stride for Montana. Nuwana's Now ESPN Radio. We're going to leave you on a cliff. We're going to do the football tomorrow, and maybe we'll spice it in with the ESPN Roundtable on the podcast. Thanks to Paradise Falls uh, for sponsoring the ESPN Roundtable. They're located there on the south side of Missoula. they got breakfast, lunch, and dinner, plus an early and a late happy hour. Go check out the NBA playoffs, the Stanley Cup playoffs. And everything in between, uh, Paradise Falls, 3621 Brook Street, Missoula's coolest hotspot. Stanley Cup playoff coverage with Mike Anderson next. Don't change the channel. It's Nuanas Now, ESPN Radio. Are you having a bad day? Did you get hurt and it wasn't your fault? Are you in trouble? No matter what has you down, you can take action and help yourself by letting Schulte Law Firm help you. Schulte Law Firm litigates injury, criminal, and civil matters, providing expert advocacy in any situation. Here with Dwight Schulte from Schulte Law Firm. When it comes to criminal defense, what's an example of why someone could or should call Schulte Law? Criminal defense happens on somebody's worst day, you know, and it doesn't mean that someone's a bad person. We all make mistakes. We all make choices that maybe aren't the best choice. And that can lead to dramatic consequences in somebody's life. So we're really focusing on personal injury and criminal defense. We do a lot of different areas of the law, though. We have a strong background in real estate. Um, We handle family law for clients, ton of mediations. The ultimate reality is, is that people have bad days. And that's when you need our help. That's when you need to call Schulte Law Firm because we know the players, we know the game. We can put people in the best position to achieve the outcome they want. If you've had a bad day, visit jschultilaw.com. It's new on is now on 102.9 ESPN Missoula. Watch the show statewide on SWX Montana Television.
We're sitting here chuckling because we're trying to figure out how the hell the grass is green in Phoenix in the summer. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to What Is Now ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app. Mike Anderson in studio with me. We're going to talk some Stanley Cup playoffs. We're also going to give you some wings, courtesy of the Desperado Sports Tavern and Grill. Uh, it's Wing It Wednesday, Desperado style. So uh, keep it tuned. We'll give you an opportunity here in just a few minutes uh, to get some wings. Uh, why are we talking about Phoenix when it comes to hockey? Well, uh, we're going to give you a couple of pieces of analysis here for uh, outside of the conference finals, and then we'll give you conference finals previews as well, down to the final four of the Stanley Cup playoffs. But uh, the reason we're talking about Phoenix is the Phoenix Coyotes might be on the move. Uh, thanks for being here, man. What's going yeah. on? Uh, not too much. Just trying to you know enjoy the oncoming of summer as much as I can. School year's wrapping up, so Mike's excited. a teacher by trade, and yes. uh, so it's, it's probably hard this last month, man. Dude, I don't think people understand how... Especially when you live in Montana, too, though, right? Because we're all stuck inside for so long, and then and it's, like, nice out, and you're like, well, The I don't next wanna... day, all of a sudden, oh, it's oh, 80, and you're like, I don't want to be in here. And the kids also don't. No one they... wants to be there. <laughs> so we go out... I, go to a, I teach at a pretty cool school, so we go outside a lot. Uh, next week, actually, is our last week, and we have a ton of stuff that we're doing outdoors and stuff, so Sweet. it's nice. Well, that's good. Uh, speaking of being outside, you never want to be outside in Phoenix. Uh, no. But the Coyotes uh, might be on the move, and this is sort of... Uh, we'll have to ask Justin Angle about this, a University of Montana business professor, because uh, he and I talk about this a lot. Relocation of pro sports teams when the pro sports franchise tries to leverage the community they are currently a part of to basically pass along the financial burden to build facilities. Uh, we've seen it work uh, in Nashville, for example. Minnesota. Minnesota, for sure. Uh, you know, the, t the Titans are building uh, a, a multi-billion dollar stadium that's going to get hundreds of millions of dollars from taxpayers. Well, the Coyotes basically said... Uh, we need your money, and Phoenix basically said, well, we don't need your hockey. Yeah, so it was Tempe, which is, I don't know much about the geography down there, but uh, I'm pretty sure of all of their big cities are right around Yeah, Phoenix. I mean, Temp for those that need reference, Tempe's about an hour from Phoenix, but, I mean, it's all part of this giant yeah. grid. It all blends together. So they were actually in Glendale for a while, which sure. is even yeah. farther. Yeah. That was a huge issue. They got out of there. They're now playing in an arena that would be more fitting for the Grizz hockey team, <laughs> to be honest. I guess it's a really cool experience, though. I want to go down there next year and ch check a game. For sure. Like a 3,000-seat arena for okay. an NHL game. But not good for their revenue. No, sure, certainly So their not. big plan was to uh, get this huge billion-dollar development in Tempe, this sports entertainment complex with apartments yeah. and all this stuff. And then they actually got sued by the city of Phoenix, I believe, saying, like, this isn't, again, something with the airport. All this crazy stuff was happening. Three things had to pass. None of them did. Wow. So the people of Tempe said, no, we don't. I guess it's going to be privately funded, but there's a ton of tax breaks involved. I don't know enough about it to, like, get into did the people do the right sure, thing or not, sure. in my opinion. But, you know, another uh, – I think they'll be out of there in the next couple uh, of years. I guess sure. the biggest question is, to me – uh, where does a, an NHL team move? Is there a city that's just desperate for an NHL team? So the hot city right now is Salt Lake City. See, that would be very interesting. Their owner has publicly expressed interest in getting a team up there. Uh, don't we have a doomsday theory, though, about Salt Lake? Because the Wasatch Front is is uh, certainly one of the fastest-growing areas in America. There's a lot of opportunity down there. I mean, it's 
what what's happened to Montana is very akin to what's happened to that part of the country. People are moving there, uh, wanting to live out west. But don't you have some sort of uh, terrible theory about this, Andrew? Why Salt Lake is not the uh, the upcoming city that people think it is? Yeah, man, the Great Salt Lake is dying. It's drying <laughs> out. It's reducing in area, and if it dries out completely. There's a ton of, like, bad chemicals on the floor of the Great Salt Lake that are just going to get swept up in dust and blow all around there. It's not a great look. Yeah, we'll see what happens. If the Great Salt Lake dries up, I think we got way bigger problems than where the hockey team's going to relocate. (laughs) Mike Anderson in studio, Stanley Cup playoff talk, which is actually coming. Uh, Tell me about the the kid that's like this this next prodigy. Connor Bedard is his name. Yeah, so the NBA draft just had their lottery, right? And I cannot for the life of me say that French kid's name. Uh, Victor Webinyama. Webinyama. I'm actually fascinated by the fact that this kid is, at the same time, on the cover of Sports Illustrated, he's being touted as the greatest NBA prospect of all time, yet he's not really a household name. I know you had heard of him, yeah. but like I was talking about this with my buddy last night while we were watching the lottery. He had no clue. But anyways, Victor Webanyaba, uh, minus 10,000 odds to go number one overall, so I think it's almost a surefire guarantee. But there's also sort of a surefire guarantee in yes. hockey. So Bedard is, I wouldn't say he's the equivalent of Webanyame because... You know, Big David was just seven years, eight years ago. Crosby was, you know, 20, 2005. So it's not right, like right. there hasn't been someone like him. But he certainly is a once-in-every-five-to-ten-year player. He is He's a bit smaller. He's 5'10", 5'9". But, man, he's his release is unbelievable. He's super smart, super skilled. He's already uh, been playing professionally for multiple years, right, in the Canadian Professional well, League. the Major Junior League sure, is sure. It's pretty much pro. Okay. But it's... It's the highest level of junior Got in it. North America, for sure. Why do you think this... So, I've always found this part fascinating. There are these sort of prodigy-type prodigy players that come along in a variety of different sports, but it seems like in basketball, because of the fame and the exposure and the money, they have like a 50% chance of failing, if not yeah. higher. <laughs> uh, baseball baseball is just so oh. hard. There's so many things that can happen to you before you get to the majors. seems like in hockey, though... More often than not, like Sidney Crosby becomes Sidney Crosby. Yeah, it's it's weird. I think uh, the guys that you remember certainly, like Crosby was true, huge. True. Uh, I mean, you look at someone like Alexander Dagg. Who is that exactly? A 1998, right, I believe, right. number one overall pick. Uh, some years are just not as good of players. Like last year's draft. I think I would say there's eight guys from this year's draft who would be number one. Interesting compared to last year. Like last year was really weak. Yeah, the guy who went number one overall, I think, is going to be a huge bust. Uh, there's two Czech guys taking two and three who are probably the best players out of that draft. But you just never know. The kids are 18. But right. yeah, I think prodigy style, like, they're just, there does seem to be something about Canadians that come out of that system. That it seems like the system ready. prepares them yeah, very they're well. they're ready right? for pro yeah. hockey. Uh, I think Bedard's going to transform Chicago, unfortunately. I hate Chicago. I went to school <laughs> at St. Mary's. It's in southern Minnesota, and it's a school that, for some reason, suburban Illinois people flock to. <laughs> they all said they're from Chicago. They're not. <laughs> and this was around the time the Blackhawks were really good. So it was absolutely awful to be around them. And then they, they had a huge scandal with how they handled the, right. a situation with one of their coaches and abuse. It was not a good look for the NHL to have them get the number one overall pick. They should have said, you don't get picks for a couple of years in the first round. They should have done. They didn't. And now they're sitting there with... Connor Bedard infusing their fan base and franchise, which is unfortunate on multiple levels, <laughs> personal and 
<laughs> business-wise for the league. Mike Anderson in studio with us. Here it is our uh, uh, NHL and Stanley Cup playoffs discussion uh, presented by the Desperado Sports Tavern and Grill. Despo located there on Russell Street. They got the best wings in Missoula. It's also a great place to hang out and watch hockey. Uh, here's what I do. Go get some beers, get a hamburger, and share some wings. We can hook you up with some wings right now. 406 888 1029. That's triple eight one zero two nine. Car number four. We got a dozen wings for you uh, to the Desperado Sports Tavern and Grill. Now, if you would have told me what's the Coulter, as somebody that knows nothing about the NHL, <laughs> what is your uh, ideal scenario from your completely rudimentary knowledge of what would happen in the Stanley Cup playoffs to get the the largest number of interested eyes? And I would have said, Ooh. give me a Final Four that includes Connor McDavid, the biggest superstar in the league. Give me a Final Four that includes uh, an original six team in the Boston Bruins that has the best fan base, uh, one of the best fan bases in the NHL. Uh, give me a, a Canadian team, whether it's Edmonton or Toronto or both. That would be my dream scenario. Those scenarios were all possible over the last month, they and none happened. of those scenarios <laughs> yeah. happened. Yeah. And so here we are at the conference finals. Florida, <laughs> Carolina for the East, Dallas, Vegas for the West. So uh, it's pretty interesting how uh, all the things uh, in my very limited knowledge. Well, the other thing I would have said is the Seattle Kraken in the Final Four, just because we could have That'd the games. Nice, yeah. That also didn't happen. So uh, here we are, Florida, Carolina, Dallas, and Vegas uh, in the Final Four. This is the uh, Stanley Cup playoffs in the nutshell, right? Yeah, and I, I find it odd when... You know, they say, oh, hockey doesn't work in the South, blah, blah, blah. And to me, it doesn't really matter how well the NHL team does. That doesn't prove hockey works there. It just means sure. the team's winning and people will go. Sure, right. So, like, the fact well, that the teams that are in the South that are good are good, right? Yeah, when Na- always, like, like, when Nashville's been good, my buddy people Mark... People go, yeah. Right, like, not, my buddy Mark Mariani, who used to play for the Grizz, he's doing radio out there, and he's always Instagramming, mm-hmm. and it looks like it's packed, and people are oh, loving yeah. it. So, like... But to equate that to like it working, it's like it's sure. still full of Canadians and, or, and <laughs> right. Swedish, like in America. All the players yeah. are still Russian it's and Canadian. It's getting a little bit better, Minnesota, but yeah. like I, that's always weird to me. People make that argument, like, "Oh, see, it's working." Not really. Like the same kind of people built all these the, teams right, right, and right. are playing. All on the them. guys are coming from like the <laughs> same four distinct pipelines: yeah. Canada, Minnesota, North Dakota area, Russia, and Europe. That's yeah. it. Yeah, and the U.S. is getting better. Like it better. has helped grow the game for sure, but. It's always a little odd to me. Either way, there are four good teams left. Sure. The Carolina-Florida series, if you want to watch a hockey game that is complete mayhem back and forth, that's the series to watch. I mean, that's been Florida in a nutshell, right? I mean, Florida's just been playing totally chaotically, and that's why they've beaten the Bruins and, you know, got to the the conference finals. Yeah, and Carolina does that better. And Carolina has better players to do it. So. It's a it's going to be an interesting battle. I hope Carolina wins because I love their coach Ron Brendamore, and the last time Carolina won a cup, he was the captain. So if, like storyline wise, it's it's pretty cool. Uh, but I th- I think they'll win. I don't know though. Dallas, I just I could not. I don't want to see Dallas in another cup final as a wild Minnesota Wild fan. Uh, but I do think Vegas is just better, too. So it'll be interesting to see how that shakes out. Just in terms of what is best for the NHL, like elevating the NHL brand, what what would be the best Stanley Cup final? To me, as somebody that's just analyzing this from a broad business perspective, I'd have to say Vegas being in the Cup final just because of the spectacle that is the Vegas Knights' home and thing. They're, and they're newer, so there's still a bit of a allure to them, a for little bit sure. of a shine. Like if you're just turning on the Stanley Cup playoffs and you see the Vegas Knights' home arena for the first time, you're going to be like, oh, that's pretty cool. I would yeah. like to go to a game. There. I would think like Dallas is pretty bland. They have good players for sure, like Jason Robertson, uh, Hiskinen, Rupe Hints. None of these are household names by any means, but they're really good players. Uh, but Vegas, 
Uh, they're just better overall. They're deeper. Uh, I think Jack Eichel, that has proven to be a great move by Vegas to bring him on, gave up a lot of assets. So I hope Vegas gets there. And then, you know, Vegas, Carolina, I think would probably be best because yeah. Carolina has a little bit more history, which is weird to say, but sure. they were the Hartford Whalers. They went down to Carolina. They've won a cup. There's some tradition there. But Miami in the Stanley Cup Finals, while the Heat maybe make the NBA Finals, wow. would be a pretty – you could kind of latch on to that a little bit. But uh, I don't know. I don't particularly care who makes it at this point. But for business, if I'm Gary Batman, I'm hoping Vegas, Carolina. You want to ESPN Radio, Mike Anderson, co-head coach of the Grizz Hockey Team and our go-to guy for Stanley Cup playoffs commentary, uh, joining us to break down the conference finals. Uh, okay, so when we first started this, I asked you a question. I said – Give me the three main factors in winning a Stanley Cup title. And we sort of agreed upon having great momentum and a sense of belief, having a great goaltender, and having uh, some sort of star or superstar player. So uh, start in reverse order. Who is the star to watch for each of these teams? Let's start with Florida. So Florida, Matthew Kachuk definitely yep. is, okay. their, is their stud. He's a second-generation NHLer, uh, Keith Kachuk. Oh, I, I know Keith Kachuk Coyotes. for sure. Yeah, Keith Kachuk was a great NHL son, player. And then his, another son in the NHL, Brady, plays in Ottawa. Wow. But Matthew's another level above, I would say. He's really good. Uh, they also have um, – they're just – they just grind it out. Sam Bennett, who I think has gone a little bit overboard this playoffs with his shenanigans, but he's running around hitting everybody. Uh, Nick Cousins has looked good. But Matthew Kachuk is their star. Okay. They've gotten really good goaltending from Bobrovsky, who is a, another star. At least yep. he's paid like one, sure. $10 million a year. Wow. Um, but he's he's had his best run with them in a long time. And then Carolina, you know, they have Sebastian Ajo. He's really, really good. This uh, Finnish kid, he's he's very, very good. Um, and then Dallas, probably Hints at this point. Yep. Rupe Hints, number 24, if you're watching. Robertson's their best player, but he hasn't played like yet in the playoffs. And then I would say Vegas is going to be Mark Stone, Jack Eichel. Um, and then uh, maybe like a... Maybe Shea Theodore, Peter Angelo, but they, Eichel and Stone are their two guys for sure. Goal, goalkeeping uh, battle. Who has the advantage, Florida over or, or Carolina? <laughs> Frederick Anderson versus Bavrovsky. They both made runs. Goaltending's voodoo. I don't know. No, for sure. You don't. <laughs> you always I, say that. Be, you might as well ask me. You know, like <laughs> I, it doesn't. You never know. <laughs> totally. And Someone about, could poo the bed right away, and then the backup comes in and takes it to the finals, right, right, and then he right. sucks game one. The right, fi- it just right. you never know. How about, how about Dallas Vegas? Is there a definitive advantage there? Ottinger. Yeah. When he's on, he's the best goalie left for sure. And how about from a momentum perspective? Which team has the greatest Florida. momentum? Florida has. Florida the, is. I mean, Florida is the eight seed. For those that yeah. don't know that, they've already. I mean, the Boston Bruins had the best record in the NHL ever, yes. and they lost uh, to Florida in the first round. So yeah, Florida certainly's got a lot of momentum. Seems like Vegas does too, both from a playoff perspective, but also just as a franchise. Like you mentioned, they've only been around for a couple of years. So to be on the precipice of going back to the Cup final for the second time this already, is their is, fourth. Western year. Conference Finals. Right, and they've already made it to it's the like Cup Finals once. It's crazy. Yeah, so... Unprecedented you know, totally. for a new team, for so sure. They have momentum just in the, the brief history mm-hmm. of uh, of their franchise. Uh, anything else on the Conference Finals? Uh, conference Finals, I think, you know, if you're going to watch and you don't watch much hockey, I would tune into the Carolina-Florida game. It's going to be a, a lot of events, a lot of happening, a lot of physicality, a lot of skill, a lot of shots on net. Uh, Dallas-Vegas is going to be a little more subdued, a little more structured, uh, but a lot better talent. So that's sort of the, the trade-off there. I do want to throw out there. Chris Hockey, our prospect camp oh, is coming yeah. up. Nice. Memorial Day weekend. Oh, two weeks from now. Yep. So, yeah, get in on it. ChrisHockey.com probably, right? Yep. There we you got go. 
over 25 guys from around the country coming Sweet. to check out the campus and the program. And we play a little three-on-three tournament, which people can come in and check out if they want, and then uh, do uh, some skill sessions and tour the school. It's a big event for us. And then right after that's our little Grizz camp. Nice. Which is still has some spots open. So head to grizzhockey.com to check those out. The hockey interest keeps building. Man, I've been hearing about people talking about this segment. They've been talking about Grizz hockey. So there's a lot of interest in hockey around Montana. I love it. Mike Anderson, co-head coach of the Grizz hockey team and our uh, Stanley Cup playoffs aficionado here in studio. Thanks for being here, man. Always. Thanks. Nuan is now ESPN Radio. We'll get you set up for tomorrow. Keep it right here. This is Nuan is now on 102.9 ESPN Radio Missoula. We only got about a minute left. You already know where to find all the show. If you missed any of it, Nuan is now podcast. Rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. Probably presented by Blackfoot Communications, the M Store. And the MSU Bookstore tomorrow. Got a fun lineup coming up for you. Actually, just heard back from a couple of our upcoming guests. We are going to have uh, a Bitterroot Valley heavy high school track segment featuring Corvallis head track coach Spencer Holes. The Blue Devils are hosting the uh, divisional track meet, the Western A divisional track meet this upcoming weekend. We're also going to hear from Andrew Burroughs, a aspiring state champion from Hamilton High School in a variety of throwing events. We're also going to hear from Cody Hawkins, the new head football coach for Idaho State. And your good friend Carol in the Chicken Doesn't Know Sports is going to swing by for some entertainment uh, as well as we continue our uh, just having a good old time here uh, on your Thursdays. I like fitting Carolyn in there, kind of get you uh, all ready for the weekend. Thanks for hanging out with us today. Thanks for uh, riding along with us. And uh, we will see you. Uh, tomorrow, we're rolling right into Game 1, Eastern Conference Finals. Heat at the Celtics. Tease it up and bet the under. See you tomorrow. Get commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now if you visit msubookstore.org. Free regalia. When you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore, you can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org.